Blog Talk Radio. Archangels, Ghosts, and Bigfoot, oh my, it's just another night for Supernatural Girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now, for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others, here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker, on the one, the only, Supernatural Girls. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker. It is November 8th, 2023. And PK, how are you tonight? Doing fine, doing fine. Enjoying our (laughs) beautiful weather today. I had the doors open in the house. Didn't have to have the air going. It was delightful for a change. Nice, nice, nice. Well, I think... Well, I think we've extended our our stay with warm weather, and now it's looking looking kind of chilly out there. But we got to get used to it. Got to brace ourselves for winter. So here we go. But I know sure. you were sure. you were looking at some interesting stuff this week that we're going to talk about before we bring yeah. on our great guest. And this is late for me. This is like way past my bedtime, but we have such an important guest. <laughs> and we have such an important topic. We had to bring Dr. Johnson back to talk with us about I Bigfoot. Agree. This is Bigfoot Part 2, everybody. We're going to start that in just a couple minutes. But first, PK, tell us what you've been looking at. Well, I was taking a look at Joe Rogan, the Rogan Experience yeah, he's such an interesting guy. Everybody seems to love his show and what goes on yeah. around him. So I thought I'd take a quick peek. And it, it, the interesting part is the universe is in a nine year. So it's all about drama, theater, and things of that nature. Oh, but so is Joe. <laughs> uh-huh. Whatever the universe goes through, so does Joe. How's that for making things wow, work? Wow, no kidding. Huh? How interesting. Yeah, yeah but. He's extremely hard-headed, but he does it in a way that's very creative. It's like mm-hmm. he lays everything out and very spiritual, very very intelligent young man, by the way. And I took a look at of that, things of that nature. But he, is, he lives in his head a lot. So uh, when he's talking offhand, it's already materialized in his brain. He already knows what's going to come out. So mm-hmm. it makes it very, very interesting to, to work with him. He's a very independent soul, and I do mean very independent. He's got his idea how things are going to work. He's sensitive, could be overly sensitive, but he says what he thinks without thinking of what he says. That's why it works out so well for the show, because he is not analyzing what they have to say. He works with what they have to say. Makes him very, very interesting, like I said, Extremely good head on his shoulders. And he's a very sensitive man. So I'm sure really? his wife oh. enjoys the fact that he has a lot of sensitivity to him. Works pretty That's well. That's wonderful. Works. Yeah. Yes. Well, he has does. over 1 billion downloads every year. 1 billion. Well, I could billion. imagine. 
That's incredible. And he's a great interviewer. Yeah. Well, he puts things, that's because of that seven. First of all, first concert, J-O for Joseph. He lives in his head a lot. He doesn't miss anything. He puts things together mentally before he even opens his mouth. So he's, he knows exactly what's going on. Perfect for him, and it makes it more comfortable for his guests because ah. he's considered considerate about what he thinks. But like I said, he lives in his head a lot. He already mm-hmm. knows. He has game plan and everything finished before he even opens his mouth. So it should make wow. it, always makes the show interesting. Couldn't it help does. it be the way that. Uh-huh. And then when we take a look at the show itself, by the, uh, the name of the show itself, he is very sensitive again, but what a good head on his shoulders. He thinks things through before he even opens his mouth, which uh, that's for the show as well as he personally. So it's very interesting how that works out. Yeah, that is. We always take a look at people like that, and as we were discussing before, and you want to know what it is, excuse me, that makes them such a powerhouse and so successful. And it's so interesting to hear the breakdown of the numbers of how that works. So thank you for doing that. Well, he's somebody to watch. There's more coming from him. It's going to be quite interesting to follow. I have I have to admit, I have not watched the show, and had we not talked about it, I wouldn't have. But then when I went in and started looking around, I'm going, ah, that's where it's all coming from. It's interesting yeah. to see what you have. When other people have already seen it, now I go back and look at it. And, wow, yes. what a way to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for looking at that. That's well, very interesting. Too. Very interesting. Thank you. So He's tonight we are back. Man. Yes, it's yeah. nice that he's a good man, too. We're back to Bigfoot, and you and I love this I topic. Know. We've always loved it. And <clears throat> Dr. Matthew Johnson has been with this group of Bigfoot for years. Now, since his first encounter near the Oregon Caves over 16 years ago, now it's more than 20, I think, Dr. J mm-hmm. has been a lightning brand in the Bigfoot world. It's said that if you cannot learn from the mistakes of the past, you are destined to repeat them. And Dr. J took this saying to heart. And he spent over a decade trying out various techniques. He traveled from the unexpected eyewitness to the I'll get proof, paparazzi, to the habituator, to the habituatee. He is the founder of Team Squatch in USA and has run the Grub, Gulp, and Gab Gathering monthly Bigfoot meetings in western Washington for five-plus years. And additionally, he is into his third year of chairing the annual Bigfoot University Conference in Bremerton, Washington. Now, I'm not going to go on and on about him, because we did that last time. And there's so much we need to talk about. I'm just going to bring him on the show. So, Dr. J, welcome back to the show. Thank you. It's good to be back. It's great to have you. And I know you said, yeah, we've got so much to cover. This is wonderful. So we're going to let you just pick up wherever you want to, pick up where you left off or start with a new topic because there is a vast amount of information that you have. So feel free to just take us where you want us to go. Well, let's start off with just a little bit of a, related topic with Joe Rogan. 
Um, he interviewed my wife and I for a TV show probably about six years ago, seven years ago. Oh, no kidding. And, wow. Yeah. He he came up to um, our house in Puyallup and we're in the backyard and went for a uh, walk in the woods. But one little funny side note was that I actually invited him and the producer-director to go on down to Southern Oregon and up to the Southern Oregon habituation area where we were at that time, you know, having most of our encounters and invited him to, you know, why don't you come camping three, four nights and interact with them. And, you know, the the head of the Fear Factor, you remember that TV show, right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. He was like, uh, no way in hell am I going to go up there camping in the mountains with Bigfoot. <laughs> Which was hilarious. That Miss, Mr. Fear Factor was scared to death to go oh, camping no. up in the mountains with Bigfoot. I thought that was funny. Anyway. That is. That with, is very funny. With, yeah. With that said, hello, and why don't we pick up where we left off? I think that was healing that the uh, yes. Bigfoot Force people who refer to themselves as the Janu, I'm going to say some repetitive stuff in case, listeners tonight for this Bigfoot episode didn't hear the one we just recently did a couple weeks ago um, just to catch them up to speed. So the Bigfoot forest people are sentient beings. They're not dumb giant mountain apes. They're not descendants of Gigantopithecus. And um, they are uh, dimensional beings in the the sense that they can – shift their vibrational frequency and and their natural state of existence, they're vibrating at a high level of frequency, which takes them outside of our visual field of range. However, uh, the cats and dogs can see them. So if you have a dog or a cat looking at something, growling at something, and you're like, there's nothing there, and (laughs) they're pointing, it's like, uh, yeah, there is something there. You just can't see it. And cameras can capture them, even though you can't see them with your naked eye. And then that explains, because we always hear the humorous joke of, you know, Bigfoot going to the store, turning his camera in, and saying, I need a new camera. This one, all my photos are blurry. You know, ha, ha, ha. (laughs) Why why are all the pictures of Bigfoot blurry? Well, the reason why is because they vibrated a higher frequency. And you're taking Make pictures, and, and they show up in your pictures, and they're blurry. That's why they're blurry. Um, now, as far as learning and interacting with them, which we do, and I've been at this for 23 years now, 23 and a half years, um, one of the things that I stumbled across uh was like started in 2012, so 11 years ago. Um, I talked my wife into allowing me to play in a city league basketball game. It was a tournament instead mm-hmm. of taking her out for a Valentine's din- dinner. Oh, wow! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, so so she was sweet enough. to say, okay, honey. Let's go to your game. So, you know, I'll take you out tomorrow night. (laughs) So, anyway, (laughs) 
we're a bunch of 50-year-olds playing a bunch of 25-year-olds, and, and we're actually spanking them. And, and I'm 6'9", <laughs> 330 pounds. They can't stop me inside. They're beating on me. And we're just kicking these young puppies off. And so there was a loose ball. I dive for the loose ball on the floor. The other guard steps, just steps on the back of my left leg down by my heel. And then all of a sudden, snap. My (gasps) Achilles tendon and my left leg uh, severed. Oh, no. And worst pain I've ever had in all my years of playing basketball and and I got up and, you know, walked over the corner. I was definitely done with the game. And, and you try to lift your foot, bend your foot, move your foot. Nothing's moving because your Achilles tendon is severed. So two days later, I ended up uh, in surgery, reattaching the tendon. Two days after that, I was on a plane flying from Seattle to uh, New Orleans for a speaking engagement because I wrote a parenting book. And so I was speaking to a group of professionals about parenting, professionals and parents. And then I flew from uh, New Orleans to Las Vegas for another speaking engagement. And then I flew from Las Vegas to Los Angeles for another speaking engagement. And then I flew back to Seattle. Well, after that, my left leg uh, turned into an elephant leg. It was just as wide as my upper thigh all the way down to my ankle. It was one big, thick elephant leg. And it was Ouch. that way for three three years before my uh, doctor referred me to a vascular surgeon. And so I got a referral, and my wife and I went to the appointment, and the young girl is moving up my leg and doing a, a sonogram, and, and she's going, oh, my God, what? Oh, I'm sorry. We're just, oh, oh, my God. And I'm like, what? And and then she lives up the other leg and say, oh, that's good, and then comes back to my left like, oh, my God. And so, yeah, my wife and I are looking at each other, and she walks out of the room into the hallway, closes the door, and you can hear, but you can't tell what they're saying. And, oh, no. Um, so, so the doctor comes in, closes the door, sits down by me and says, let me begin by telling you just how lucky you are. And I'm like, Ooh. okay. And he goes, you should be dead. Oh, my God. Said, what? That you should be dead. What do you mean? Okay, so now this, by the way, I said three years later, so now this is in March of 2015, okay, when this is going on. I severed it in 2012. Now I'm seeing the doc three years later in 2015. You should be dead. And I'm like, why? He said, you had what I would diagnose as a big-ass DVT or deep vein thrombosis, a huge blood oh clot. God. And, oh and it went from, your, went from your groin to your knee. It was Jeez. big. And, oh, and I said, God. is it still there? He goes, no, it's gone. I said, What? He said, if you walked in here with that intact, I would tell you to get your affairs in order. I've been doing this for 25 years. Nobody lives through that. If you came in here with that intact, I'd tell you, if I operate, you're dead. If I give you medication to dissolve it, you're dead. 
if it breaks up on its own, you're dead. You should be dead. Nobody I've ever seen in 25 years with anything like that ever lived through it. You should be dead. And I'm like, what happened? He said, I don't know. It was a miracle. God, something. I said, well, it's not there. No, it's gone. Well, then how do you know I had it? It blew out your circulatory system in your left leg. That's why you have an elephant leg. And so he told me to wear wear a compression sock, take some aspirin every day, which I've been doing faithfully for the last eight years. But anyway, that was March of 2015. So now we hit fast forward, and now it's July of 2015. And Cynthia and I drive from Washington all the way down to southern Oregon to go up into the mountains to our research area or to the habituation area. And um, we know that the weather is going to be 100 degrees every day it's it gets warm in southern oregon during the summer and so she brings some sheets so we can leave the upper flap of the sleeping bag open and cover ourselves with sheets to keep the bugs off and so in the middle of the night i wake up because this large hand is on my thigh my inner thigh and it's rubbing up and down my leg from my thigh to my knee back to my thigh, back to my knee, and I can feel this energy in the hand coming out into my leg. And this goes on for about two minutes. And then I hear mind speak. And the guy who has his hand on me, the Jean-Nu that has his hand on me, is mind speaking to the other one that's on my right side down by my ankle with his hand on my right ankle. And and he says, his thigh is still okay, you know. And then I'm like, you know, or his leg is still okay. And then his hand goes to my crotch. It's not sexual, but he's putting some energy out there for about two minutes. And then he says, he mind speaks, telepathy, his prostate is still okay. Well, I was diagnosed at the age of 35 several years before that with prostatitis, which is really young to be diagnosed with that disorder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so um, my my leg is okay, my prostate is okay, and then the hand goes up to the left side of my abdomen, and he's rubbing in a circular um, manner for a half hour, and I can feel the energy coming out there. Well... Prior to that, twice in that same month, I ended up in the emergency room with like a knife-sharp pain in my stomach, like somebody was stabbing me with a butcher knife. And oh, my God. They did, a, they did a CAT scan and found a golf ball-sized growth in my intestinal tract. Oh, so, my goodness. So he's, he's rubbing circular, a half hour, all this energy coming out. And then he stops, and I hear him say the other guy, the other Jean Du, um, his stomach is okay now. And I'm like, they can heal. The reason why I'm alive and I didn't die is because they took that blood clot out of my leg. And they helped my prostate to heal up, and that's why my numbers are down. And... And now he's saying my stomach is okay. Well, also at that time, eight years ago, I had some dental issues. So now I'm, with my mind, I'm going, 
my mouth, my mouth, feel my mouth. And he says to the other one, I'm not going to touch his mouth. <laughs> He's like, okay, that's fine. I had to try. I had to ask. And, and so, you know, two, two days later, we're back up in Puyallup, Washington, and I'm in the hospital because there was a scheduled colonoscopy, you know, the, the snake. And um, so they knocked me out, and he does his job, and then I wake up, and he's standing there shaking his head, and he's got a you know picture of the cat scan, and he goes, I went up your butt twice, not once, oh. twice. And, and here it is in your cat scan, but it's not there. It's gone. What did you do? And I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I wasn't going to say, Terrible. I was up in the that? mountains and Bigfoot healed me. <laughs> Yeah, Can we right. Have a psychiatric <laughs> consult, a psych please. Word. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Right. Um, so that was my first, what? you know, awareness at the heel. And then we host. Well, I took other guys up into the mountains as well, and there were healings. And then we host our monthly camps at our house now. You know, we live in a big log home on 61 acres of forested property on top of a mountain surrounded by thousands of acres of other forests. And uh, so people come here because you don't have to go up into the mountains. You can just come to our property to Camp Shanu. And people have been healed here. I do say I cannot promise anybody a healing. All I can say is healings have happened. Amazing. Well, this is an amazing ability because not only are they able to heal, but they're able to see where the problem is. So the fact that they were able to identify that you had a blood clot, a growth, um, prostatitis, I mean, all of this goes along with being able to actually diagnose almost is what what we're talking about, and then healing. What they do is they put both hands on, on your feet, and they send an energy wave from your feet all the way up your body to your head and back down to the feet. It's almost like their way of doing an MRI scan. Mhm. Right. And that's how they find out what's going on. Now, I've, I've got a question it, from a listener, too, if you don't mind. I'll ask you sure. if it's about this. They want to know, he wrote in and they said, did you did you feel like the pressure of an actual Bigfoot hand? Could you identify a hand, or was it more energetic that you felt? It, it was both. I felt the hand, and it was energetic. Both, A lot of okay. energy. Yes. So um, yeah, they wonderful. not only do the medical scan, because lots of people that come uh, to Camp Janu, you know, we require that you sleep outside on your cots. No tents. Mm-hmm. No no campers. You sleep outside on your cots under the stars because that makes it easier for them to approach you. And um, so what was interesting is one night Cynthia and I were alone and I record when we're sleeping outside. And, um, and when I listened to the audio recording the next day, they were actually working on Cynthia and she was moaning like she was in some kind of pain. You know, she was out. She was sleeping. And then mm-hmm. I hear them say, what's wrong? You know, like a supervisor, what's wrong? 
Well, we were working on her, but uh, she's bleeding internally. Why? Oh, I think my this, God. I think, this, I think the stitches are too long. And I'm like, what? And Did she have then, surgery? No. The, this is the Jean New. They're working. Yeah, I understand. That's oh, they were saying no, this. no surgery. But no, about what they're was, doing. Mm-hmm. So no, they were not just related talking to about human surgery. Okay. It's them talking about what they're doing, their procedures. So what I was picking up from this is they had the person working on her. They had a trainee working with that person. They had a supervisor available to oversee everything, and then they had a little young one to uh, available to go for help if they needed to call in the bigwigs. Well, this That's is a pretty, big procedure. Exactly. Exactly. I was blown <laughs> this away. This is no like, small deal. Whoa. Wow. No. No, they have protocol. And one of the things that um, – I learned is that they always have an anesthesiologist and that's the person sitting by your, your right or left ankle with a hand on your ankle and they knock you out. They knock you out and then they work on you. And when we were at our vacation home in Montana on the lake, I woke up one night laying on my left side, middle of the night. And, um, my my right arm was being held up. Somebody had my right arm by the wrist. Somebody else had my uh, right ankle. And I woke up because I could feel these fingers, these large, long fingers in my armpit. Not on my armpit, but inside my armpit, wiggling around and with energy. And and I woke up in pain because that wasn't feeling very good. And then I hear the one working on me say, he's awake. And then the other one with my ankle said, okay. And then all of a sudden I was out again. The next night, I'm laying on my right side. And I wake up because of the same thing. There's fingers in my armpit. My left arm's being held up. Somebody has my wrist and it's hurting and now this person down at the foot of the bed has my left ankle, and same thing, he's awake. Okay, knock me out again. And later on, that you know, when I woke up later on that morning, I asked Zorth what was going on, and, and he said they were uh, healing your lymphatic system, that there were some signs of cancer, and so they were getting rid of it. This Amazing. is so remarkable. I don't doubt this for one second. I mean, everything you're saying is so remarkable. They have such a deep understanding of our human physiology and the ability to correct the things that are going wrong. I mean, they saved your life, it sounds like, more than once. Correct. Yep. And, and they and have other is, people that have come here. And what about Cynthia that night that she was moaning in her sleep and they were all working on her? What did she experience from that? Was there something that she needed to have healed? Um, She had 
two hips going bad on her. And okay. so they were trying to do some work before she went into surgery. And she did go into surgery shortly after that. And she had a double hip replacement surgery. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah. She had twins. She didn't want to do one heel up, go back, do the other one. She just, let's just get it over with. Oh, <laughs> do them both. She's some kind <laughs> of brave. <laughs> yeah, she's a tough gal. Yep. I guess. Yep. Well, PK, you know what that's like because you've had hip replacements. Yes, three times. Oh, <laughs> Don't want to do that goodness. again. <laughs> No. Wow. So they they obviously care deeply for you guys. It, that's so um, just so heartwarming. There's such a, a deep connection there. They they truly want to help you. They do help you, and they help others that come to your property. Mm-hmm. That's it's it's got to make you feel so good that you've made this deep of a connection with them. Well, um, yes, it does. And it sounds a little weird. I'm a psychologist. I know what, you know, crazy is. And it it sounds crazy, but everything I'm telling you is the truth. It's very real. Uh, One night my wife and I were out there alone doing a night sit, whining to each other, you know, and, and I think I alluded to this in the last show, you know, complaining, went into the house, brushed our teeth, went to the bathroom, grabbed our pillows, came back outside, climbed in our cots and went to sleep. Well, while we were in the house, I was recording with parabolic microphone dish and Saria, the wife of the of Contu, the clan leader, comes over to the parabolic microphone dish and you, you two heard this last time said agathos which is greek for god is good and then said oh come you should be positive about living with us and you Mm -hmm. know i think about that and i'm like we are we're living with them Mm -hmm. you know yeah they're in our house they're outside our house they're everywhere (laughs) it's it's amazing it is amazing it is i mean again the bond is so strong and do they bring new members of their tribe to you mm-hmm. so are you meeting new new members when we when we get group? the no it's, there are new members that come in and and out um you know we helped with the exodus in june of 2016 so we're kind of um on top of their appreciation list for mm-hmm. helping the genre out that way and so, right. you know, they like to come by and say hello. Uh, we have three portals on our property. Oh. So, so one of the portals is a short portal, which is from one point on Earth to any other point on Earth. And then we have a long portal, which is from Earth to another planet. And then we have a time travel portal. You've got them all. Yeah. You've That's got the full sure. well, well, there's a reason why the you know military are buzzing our house two to three times a week with the uh, Black Hawk helicopters, and they uh, hovered real low over our garden area next to our garage and uh, shined a, a floodlight onto the portal area. And uh, 
We also dropped off some uh, three-letter agency operatives onto our property back in, uh, I believe, April of 2022. So mm-hmm. I have those recordings that I forwarded to you and might be yes. fun to play them for your audience, but I just want your audience to understand um we also kind of alluded to this in the last show, too, that there's a battle going on between good and evil. And there's a part of that battle is between the white hats and the black hats. Black hats are the bad guys, the deep state, the cabal, the new world order. And the white hats are the good guys trying to stop uh, the bad guys from killing us all off and trying to destroy all the nations so they can control everybody. And the Janu have been uh, politically neutral throughout human history, but for the first time ever, they have taken a side, and they're taking the side of the white hats, the, the good guys, and they're indirectly helping the white hats. And um, so when these three-letter agency operatives were dropped on the property, and I want you to think about this, battle's going on, they know they're losing, they know the Jean-Nu are helping the White Hats because they're monitoring my YouTube channel and everything else I'm doing. And they know if we're going to go anywhere on the earth to try to meet the Jean-Nu and try to persuade them to join the dark side of the force, where are we going to go? Right. Uh, Mm-hmm. Our place. We can't yeah. tell you, you know, because yeah. it's all going on here. It's all documented. They know it's real. And so that's why they're buzzing our house two, three times a week. And that's why they drop these three-letter agency operatives on our property trying to uh, befriend them. So why don't we go through one audio clip at a time and they're uh, numbered. So the first one first audio clip and and this was all by accident i had no idea they were on the property we just had some friends come over and we were doing a night sit so i put the parabolic microphone dish on the wood pile facing west and you know it's pitch dark out and we're doing you know songs and music and you know hugs at the hugging jar and going up to the wood pile and talking with Zorth and everybody else behind the woodpile. So anyway, we were recording then, and then when we're done, we went to the other side of the house, the north side of the house, and we're sleeping, you know, in the cots, and I put the parabolic microphone dish up there, also facing west, but this was like two hours later. So I accidentally caught all this. I had no idea we had three-letter agencies on the property at all. And they obviously, they obviously had no idea they were being recorded. Yeah. So, so this first audio clip is one of those uh, operatives mocking us. Date oh. night, people already hear, oh, it's their house. Oh. And when they say, oh, it's their house, uh, we have a uh, 4,500 square foot log house. It's it's huge. It's beautiful, and 
you know, they're mocking it. So it's really interesting. Date night, people already hear, oh, it's their house. So go ahead and play that. <laughs> okay, here we go. <sighs> So they're on our property talking crap. It's like, first of all, you shouldn't be on my property. Second of all, don't talk crap. You know? Yeah, what so, are they, 12 years old? I mean, Jesus. Yeah, it's just stupid. You're three-letter agency operatives, and you're talking like little teenagers. Exactly. Okay. Scary, okay. isn't it? But, well, they're not only yeah, little, scary. you know, teenagers, but now this next audio clip, number two, uh, that's what we're trying to do. Uh, I don't think we're safe. Um, and he's talking with somebody on an electronic device, a walkie-talkie, a phone, something. And you can hear the guy on the other end of the, the device saying, I hope you all do okay. Oh. Okay, you ready for me to play that? Yep. Yes? Okay. Yes. Now, was that a female agent? No, that was a male. That was a male, okay, because it sounded a higher pitch. That was that was that was the same guy who was saying date night people here already. Oh, it's their house. Okay. That was the same voice. Um, but did you hear the guy responding to him over the electronic device? Yes. Yeah. I hope you all do okay or all right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. So yeah. they were kind of a little afraid, you think, right? By oh, what they, they were. Said. They were. Definitely scared. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now what's interesting is the third audio clip is a young Jean New. Okay. In the same area. And the young Jean New is saying lots of fear. So go ahead and play that. Okay. That's very clear. Mm-hmm. So the young the, the young Jean New is picking up on the fact that they were scared to death. Well, they should be. They're where they don't belong. They're trespassing on your property. Everything they're doing is illegal. That's Correct. terrible. And they're surrounded by Jean New. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Most importantly, okay. yes. Yeah, yeah. So now, now we're a couple hours later. Uh, we're in our cots, you know, sleeping. I'm recording. I'm still recording West, and it's picking up stuff on down the hill because again, we're on a mountaintop, and our our house is on the, uh, you know, the the top of the mountain, the, the ridge line, and then um, everything slopes down from from there. And so, anyway, 
now you're going to hear uh, an adult female, human female, um, go, help, oh, ah, you know, trying to get them to come to her. Oh, very manipulative, okay. huh? Exactly. Nice. All right, here we go. Let me hear this one. Well, that's pathetic. Yeah, well, <laughs> that, that's one thing that I like about recording at night is you never know what you're going to get. And um, so I, I would say that over half the stuff I've learned over 23 years is from my audio recordings. Well, thank you God know? you're doing this. Thank God you have your cameras up, you have your parabolic mic up i mean you you did the right thing by making sure that you had records of everything and And i don't know if they didn't know you had all this equipment or they didn't care well um i'm kind of thinking in this particular case they didn't think i had it up because we're at home it's on our property i'm not (laughs) up in the mountains And, you yep. know, normally normally I don't record in the night sit area and, you know, putting the micro, the parabolic microphone dish on the, the wood pile. Normally I don't do that. And so I was fortunate to capture that first part before we switched sides of the house. So now after the human female is trying to act like she's in distress, you know, come help me, then <laughs> the next audio clip, number five, you hear a Jean News say, watch it, it's a trap. Huh. Oh, my, okay. Sure. Go ahead and play it again. One more time. Yeah, I heard it that time. Watch it, it's a trap. Watch it, it's a trap. Okay. So now um, we have the same voice that was from the other side of the house a couple hours earlier about date night. People here already, oh, it's their house. You know, that's what we're trying to do. I don't think we're safe, blah, blah, blah. Now it's the same voice again. It's a male. And he's saying, you really don't want any friendship? So that's where, you know, they're trying to befriend the Janu to talk them into joining the dark side of the force, the black hats, the cabal, the new world order. And um, <laughs> I love the Jean News response. It's kind of Clint Eastwood style. It's, you know, <laughs> do you feel lucky, punk? You know, go ahead and make my day. And so the guy goes, you, you really don't want any friendship? And the Jean News says, shoot me. <laughs> See what happens. Take a shot. Go for it, buddy. So anyway, 
Go ahead and play that. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead and play, play that it a again. couple more times. Yeah. <laughs> One more time. <laughs> so clear. Shoot me. <laughs> and good for them. Oh my God. God bless the Janu. That that's perfect. That's yeah. absolutely perfect. It, I busted my gut when I heard that. It was hilarious. <laughs> you did. Yep. Yep. Okay. So the last audio clip is from another Janu saying, "We will fight dirty." So go ahead and play that one. Okay. Mhm. Good. Now, what I don't, what I didn't send to you because it's it's kind of hard to hear. You know, I I really have trained my ears over, you know, fifteen years of recording to pick up on things and hear things, and sometimes it doesn't play out very well. But mm-hmm. the last audio recording that I did not send to you, but I'll just tell you about, is um, uh, Martin, your legs okay? Do you feel them? Nope. Okay, we're going to roll you over and check your back out. So Martin, one of the three-letter operatives, apparently had a spinal injury. Oh. And couldn't feel his legs. Really? Yep. And and so they were offering to help him? No, this wasn't the Jean New. Oh, this, this was is just three letter operatives checking on their yeah. own Martin, rolling him over to check out his back because he couldn't feel his legs. Oh, okay. We 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 will fight dirty, right? Okay. Yes. Well, good. Yeah. I mean, I don't feel too bad for Martin. I don't feel bad for him at all. Yeah, they shouldn't have been on our property, and they shouldn't have been trying to mess with the genre like that. They shouldn't be buzzing our house two to three times a week, you know. And sometimes, and I would never do this, but it's like, get the heck out of our airspace or else, you know, and I would, I would never or else. No. It just gets frustrating sometimes. Yep. I know. It it is frustrating. It's very invasive and I'm familiar with it myself, as I mentioned, from when I was involved in a UFO investigation and it's uncalled for and you know, the other thing that I've heard about these helicopters from years ago, they had the technology to basically be flying around your house and your property, but they can see everything. They can see if you have any weapons, where they might be stored. They can see the layout of your house, you know, the whole floor plan, everything. So it, yep. it is very invasive, and it's very intimidating because those things make a lot of noise. Yep, they so, do. You can hear them. I mean, from far away. You know, yes. Yeah, it's crazy, but, you know, I guess it's our life. <laughs> it's the way it's going to be. So, now, I do have another um, question for you about this, sure. Dr. J. Yeah. 
Um, I just have a question from someone that just texted, and they said, are you afraid of the three-letter operatives? Am I? Yes. Am I? <clears throat> That's yeah, the question. Okay. Um, okay. So um, we live on 61 acres. There are 58 families on our property. And, again, don't thank big, dumb, giant mountain ape descendants of Gigantopithecus because there's no way that that many families in that kind of scenario could exist on this property. Mm-hmm. It just couldn't happen. But that's not who they are. And I have often been accused of chasing unicorns and this is the woo-woo and it's all stupid and crazy when in reality there's no such thing as Gigantopithecus they have out of a cave in China one tooth and a partial jawbone and out of that one tooth and a partial jawbone they made some 10 foot tall large giant mountain ape out of that Right. and then, then they went on to theorize that Bigfoot is a descendant of that figure they created out of one tooth and a partial jawbone. And in reality, the people who are running through the forest after a descendant of Gigantopithecus, they're the ones that are chasing unicorns. They're the ones who are after something that does not exist. Okay? So when when I say... When I say we have 58 families on 61 acres on our forested mountaintop, I'm talking about the Janu. I'm talking about a species that came here 65 million years ago from another planet. And I'm talking about uh, beams of light. They can exist in orb form and they can shapeshift into their upright, bipedal, uh, hairy body form and then back to orb form. And when they're in orb form, they go into the trees during the daylight and they take in all the energy from the sun and the nutrients through the roots and the ground so the trees become their docking stations or charging stations and that's where they get the majority of their sustenance is from the sun and the roots of the tree and when they're fully charged nourished they pop out of the tree and they're good to go until they need to pop back Mm -hmm. into the tree again so so with that context in mind we have 58 families that can easily pop in and out of trees on our property And then we're surrounded by thousands of acres of more forests, okay? So there's more families. Yeah, yeah. And and then on on top of that, there are Jean New warriors. Oh, that's a good thing. So Jean New warriors are, are big boys, okay? They're like uh, 13 to 15 feet tall. Uh And 
their whole it's role enormous. is to is to protect the Janu, but they're also on our property to protect Cynthia and I. Hence, shoot me. You know, <laughs> you want to play yeah. with me, really? Go for yeah. it. Shoot me. See what happens. So, in our previous <laughs> property, previous home, um, we were sitting on our couch watching TV around nine p.m. at night. And we saw these two Black Hawk helicopters flying tree lines, probably about 100 feet away from our house. They were so low and so close, we could see their faces as they were slowly hovering and looking at us through our our windows. And then later on that night, around 12.30, just half hour past midnight, I wake up because the house is shaking, my bed is shaking, and you can hear the propellers of the helicopters, you know, one right over the house, the other one over the driveway in front of the house. And they were there for a good two minutes, and then they flew away. So I, I mind spoke with Zorth. I said, what was going on there? He said, they were here to extract you. And I'm <gasps> like, what? He said, they mm-hmm. were here to come get you. But I put Jean New Warriors on your roof between your house and the helicopters and also on the ground below the other helicopter in front of your house. And they were looking at us with their thermal imaging cameras because they can see them with the thermal imaging cameras. And and they'd kind of take it away to look and we're not there. And then they look at us again with the thermal imaging, you know, cameras and then off and on and off. And when they were looking at us, they were, the Janu warriors were waving at the crew in both helicopters, <laughs> motioning them to come down while telepathically they were communicating with them, come down and play with us. Ooh. I guess they didn't want to do that, huh? <laughs> no, no, they flew away. They didn't want to do that. They were blown away that they were being mind-spoke to, and they were seeing them come down and play with us. And that was the first I ever heard about a Janu warrior. And and I asked a little bit, like, tell me a little more about it. And and he said, well, you know your Navy SEALs and your Rangers and your Green Beret, and yeah. He said, our Janu warriors make them look like kindergarten kids. Oh, goodness. You don't want to mess with them at all. Not at all. And so the answer, the long answer to the question that you read was, no, I'm not afraid. I have better Mm -hmm. security. Cynthia and I have better security at this house than they have at the White House. (laughs) You do. Wonderful. You do. God bless you. Well, that's the way to go, I think, is with that kind of security, you're all set. But it yep. is concerning. I mean, it's a good question somebody asked because they have been known to do some really rotten things. And uh, that's... They won't, they won't get away with it They won't do it. With, no, they won't. No. They won't. No, and what in the world? Let them. Extract you and take you where? And then what? Were they ever going to let you go? Well, you can, the, you the, no, the whole point that. was to try to, you know, leverage me to get the Janu to join them on the oh. dark side of the force. Mm. Oh, God. Yeah, it's just so sad. All of this, uh, it, it's so upsetting because 
our military is, is so hell-bent on weaponizing every goddamn thing, every relationship, every technology. And it's so, it's, it's, I have no words. I have no words for that. I mean, here you are, you and Cynthia have, have done something remarkable. You have this incredible interspecies communication, a, a great relationship, a loving, honest relationship. But they want to turn it into something that they can turn against other people, mm-hmm. other nations, yep. other whatever. It's wrong. It's just wrong. Yes, it is. So, but oh, thank God you have your cameras, your microphones. Now, here's another question that just came in about the helicopters. Um, they want to know if you've ever contacted the FAA because they're not supposed to be flying that low in a residential situation. Um, no, I haven't because, to be honest, there's two reasons. One, I'm a psychologist in private practice, and I'm seeing clients from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. every day. That's 45 clients a week. And I don't have any time to call anybody. And that's one reason. The second reason is they wouldn't help me if I did. They would deny it, you know. It, it wouldn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. Quite Maybe possibly, I'm just being yeah. cynical, but I don't think it would go anywhere. The thing that's good about reporting, though, is that then there has to be a report on file and you would have a record of it, and they would hopefully keep a record of it, that, again, this is something that you were talking about and asking about because, yeah, I think they do have altitude levels that no, they have to maintain. If it's, if it's three-letter agency operatives and everything else that they're doing, that's, they're not even going to acknowledge their existence and what they're doing. There's yeah, no way to get some, to these guys. They're, right, they're not even probably yeah. filing flight plans, things like that. Exactly. So, right. But radar, they've got to, they've got to be on radar somewhere. So that's the other side of it. We have them so on anyway. video, and we've we have them on video. We've posted some of the videos on our YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. So there's documentation, and I post it online so everybody knows what's going on. I wouldn't that's doubt important. it if they haven't been into our house and bugged our house, I wouldn't put that past them, which quite oh, frankly, no, I, I don't care. I think you're right. Yeah, that's, that's, of course they probably have done that, yes. Right. Again, there's, they don't right. have any boundaries. They just do whatever they want. And, yeah, you exactly. and, and Bob Luca should talk because, as you know, Bob married Betty Andreessen for so many years. They were stalked by the government and the, whoever mm-hmm. else was involved with the stalking, and they had black helicopters follow them all over the place. And yep. also yeah, they were drugged in their own them. home. Yeah, they they were drugged in their own home also. Which, the only difference again, between them and me is they didn't have the John New. They didn't. Yeah. Well, darn it. See, if they had only known. <laughs> So, you know, I again when I when I say I have better security here than the White House has, I'm actually being dead serious. Yeah. There's, well, absolutely. John News is not going to let anything happen. 
That's good. No, they've worked so hard to keep you alive. My God, they've healed your leg, the tumor in your stomach. I mean, they're they're really dedicated to keeping you here. Yeah. And Cynthia too. Yep, exactly. And there's there's a reason for it, you know, helping them out with the exodus, bringing the remaining family and friends, you know, from the their dying home world to the earth. Uh, 23,542 souls. Um, that was a pretty awesome experience. If I back that up, that happened in June of 2016. In in um in April of 2000 March of 2006, I took my uh, at that time uh, my wife and uh, three other kids down to San Francisco for a spring break vacation, and we enjoyed the Bay Area, and then it was time to return home to Southern Oregon. And we were at this humongous Shell gas station, and it had like four rows, and these rows were like, I don't know, 20 pumps. It it was huge. Hmm. And at this time, we were on the outside row at the end, and there was only one other car there, no other cars, just, just one. And it was on the other outside row at the other end. It was a little car. I'm standing outside my suburban gas and up the suburban and this this woman, tiny woman, starts walking in my direction through the pumps, comes all the way over to me. And again, this was March of 2006. And she looks at me and she said, God wanted me to come over here and tell you that someday you're going to help thousands and thousands of families. Ah. That's it. That's it. Can I have a hug? Oh. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, here's a hug. And she turns around and walks away. <laughs> Didn't even bother to ask my name, who I am, um, what I do for a living. Nothing. Just came over and said, God wanted me to tell you that someday you're going to help thousands and thousands of families. Well, I thought that was a little weird because I wrote a parenting book and I was speaking in up to 80 cities a year for 12 years, all 50 states several times, most of Canada. I spoke at the World Family Therapy Conference in Europe, training counselors from around the world. I was already helping thousands and thousands yes. of families. Yes, right? you were. But, but that's yeah. not what she said. She did not say, God wants me to, you know, thank you because you're helping thousands and thousands of families. She didn't talk in present tense. She used future tense. Amazing. So she was talking about the Janu. The Janu, yeah, the Exodus, which happened 10 years later up in the mountains in southern Oregon. What an amazing message. That's why we're on top of their we love you a whole lot list is because of yeah. the effort we put in yeah. to help them. So saving them, yes. Another yeah. question just came in, Dr. J. Um, they want to sure. know, do you know the planet that they're from? Is it a, a name we would recognize? 
No, the planet they're from is so far away we don't even have the technology to see it. Okay. And their planet's dead because their sun is dead. We uh, when when Patty Bluff Creek, October 1967, did her walk with uh, being filmed by Patterson and Gimlin. That wasn't just a random act, right? It wasn't just oh they got lucky. The Jean New orchestrated everything behind the scenes to get them there. You know, mind speaking, kind of persuading the way they're thinking, and got them there. And then they had Patty slow down her vibrational frequency so she would solidify her form and had them film her. And you'll notice she just meandered, right? She just meandered she away. She did. It was, yeah, it was she a could, very slow, deliberate walk. Yeah. She could have hung a left and run up into the tree. She didn't do that. What's really interesting, by the way, is the first time she turns right to look at the camera, Mm-hmm. Behind her on that hillside is a huge X with two large logs. Ah, and the X, okay. the X is the mark of the Janu. Whenever oh, you're out okay. in the, the forest and you see a large X, that's their sign that they're there. So what's interesting mm-hmm. is behind her is the X on the hillside. Mm-hmm. So... They had her filmed because they wanted the world to know they existed and come into the forest looking for them. And then now we have kind of a funnel effect. Some people are going to come in, encounter, get scared, never come back. Others are going to keep looking. And then eventually that leads to a discovery of a portal. And, you know, some people are going to freak out, never go back. Others are going to keep coming back which is what we did. We discovered a portal in our area up in the mountains in southern Oregon in June of uh, 2014. Adam Davies and his friend John Carlson were there when that happened. And uh, we had experiences two nights in a row. It was pretty awesome. But um, And, and then the, the hope with the Janu was that people would tinker around with these portals trying to figure out how to reopen them. It took me a year of uh, brainstorming and trying to figure out how to reopen the portal, and I finally figured it out. And after that happened, then when Cynthia and I were up in the mountains one night, uh, uh, Jean New woke me up out of my sleep and started telling me about, you know, Patty and everything I just told you and how I reopened the portal and that they need my help. And I'm like, okay, what? He said, we have family and friends dying on our home planet. And he told me the whole story about coming over, you know, 65 million years ago. And before that, uh, there were other alien races that put these portals up all over the universe and that they were watching them do it. And so some of them, 25% of their population had the natural ability to manipulate the portals to go through it. 75% did not have that um, ability to manipulate the portals. And so uh, 65 million years ago, uh, because, you know, they get their energy from the sun and the trees, they could taste 
a little different. Something was going on, and they realized their sun was beginning the process of burning out. You know, it's a slow process, but it's going to burn out. It's going to die, right? And so yeah. they, they, their council of 12 sent out scouts through the portals to all these other planets and to have them come back and report. And the Janu are all connected. Um, what one knows, they all know. What one feels, they all feel. Because they never fell as a species uh, like we did in the Garden of Eden. We told God to kiss off, and we took the you know, forbidden fruit, so to speak. And um, so we fell, and we're all separated. We're disconnected. That's why we cheat, lie, steal, rape, murder, go to war. Where they're not that way. They never fell. They pass the test. So they're all connected. So what one knows, they all know. What one feels, they all feel. And they walk closely with God. And so when when these uh, scouts come back from their uh, mission to explore the world, they kind of like our thumb drives, they download to the collective, and then everyone gets to see what they saw. And then they uh, selected the earth. And so the 25% of the population who could manipulate the portals is you could only go through one at a time. And you couldn't take anybody else with you. You could only go yourself. And so 25% of their, their population came right over to Earth 65 million years ago while the other 75% remained on their planet. And then those on the Earth would go through the portal to go back home to visit family and friends and then go back to Earth. Well, when they went back to their home planet, they would, uh, again, be a thumb drive because what one knows, they all know. What one feels, they all feel. So they'd kind of download the thumb drive, and everyone on the home planet got to see what was going on at Earth. And then when they went back home to Earth, they were like a thumb drive again, and they would download everything that happened on their planet. So everyone on Earth got to see what was going on in their home world. So anyway, woke me up, told me about this, figured out how to reopen the portal. We need your help. Um, we need a shunt. And and one thing I forgot to tell you is so I could understand what they were going through, he, he actually um, allowed me to... Uh, to hear the voices and to feel the despair mm. that was going on. Their oh, my goodness. Whole world. Yeah. And I could feel it all. I could hear it all. And he let me do that for about 30 seconds, and then he stopped it. And he said, will you help us? And I said, um, you know, sure. I'll help you, but I'm not good with my hands. I'm good with people, but I'm not good with my hands. But I can put a team together, and we can try to to figure out how to help you guys. Well, I was on um, Coast to Coast AM with Connie Willis uh, with the show, along with Bob Gimlin. And um, after that show was over, I got contacted by uh, Robert Golka. I'm sure he's passed by now. Uh, he was in his 80s. And, and um, he said, I heard you're 
your show with Connie Willis, and you're talking about the portal and you know everything that was going on there, and it's like really similar to my work with the Bermuda Triangle, and I believe that to be a big portal. And everything you're describing about your portal is like that portal, and I'd like to come out to your area, and I'd like to be able to meet your your Bigfoot as well, and I'm like, well. That's awesome. Like, talk about good timing. I, I need to assemble a team, and I, I need your help to, you know, work with this portal thing. And he's like, okay. So, you know, yay, I have a retired uh, physicist from MIT. <laughs> Who's going to help me? On top of the line I mean, here. Yes. You know, how, how awesome is that, right? Well, a week <laughs> really? later, I call, him, I call him up to update him, and he says, we need to kill one of those Bigfoot and turn its body over to science. Oh, no. And I'm like, uh, thanks. And I hung up on him. <laughs> and I'm oh, like, you're off Yeah, the really. So now I'm back yeah. to square one. So oh, then wow. a week later, I get an email, because I get email all the time. But this one email stood out. It was from Steve Bachman from Buckley, Washington. And... He says, I know you don't know me, and I know you probably get a lot of emails, and I've been following a lot of Bigfoot uh, researchers on YouTube, and there's only two guys I really believe, and it's you and some other guy in Florida, but you live closer to me, and if it was okay, I would like to be able to come with you up into the mountains. By the way, I work with my hands, I remodel homes, I build houses, I refurbish antique tractors, Oh, and I attached a picture to the email of an electric magnetic pulsating device based on Tesla's design that I recently made, and I just thought you might be interested. And I'm like, wow. what the? You know, talk about timing again. And, you know, when you talk with Steve, he doesn't know why he did that. He doesn't know why he grabbed the designs and, and made that thing, but he did, right? And that's them working behind the scenes. Influencing yes. things. Yes. And, synchronicity. Yes. And so uh, we take it up into the mountains, and wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, the exodus occurs. We turn it on all night long, 23,542 souls come over. And what happened was the Janu were charging themselves up with all this magnetic energy. And they were um, doing kind of like a fire brigade, running to the tailgate of the truck up in the forest, charging themselves up with a device that we were running off of two deep cycle marine batteries. And then they'd run back to the portal, and others would go on the other side of the portal. And what they were doing was holding both ends of the portal open like a shunt. And so the remaining... 23,542 souls who could not manipulate the portal on their own were able to come through because they were holding both ends of the portal open. Wow. And they wouldn't have been able to do that if they didn't have that device there to get the energy from. So Steve Boxer was also loved. Yeah, I bet they're in love with him too because he had the technology to make it all happen. Exactly. He's he's definitely a big hero to them. And um, that night, up in the mountains in the dark, with all those trees and 23,542 orbs, it was Christmas. It looked like oh Christmas God. trees. I mean, it was all lit up. 
Huh. That's and incredible. It must have been gorgeous, all those lights. Oh, it was, it was magical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was magical. And then they were kind of floating over. Sometimes there were these, like, window panes, like three-by-three-foot window panes flat that were floating over towards me, and there would be a face in the middle of this window pane. And, you know, they they would say thank you, and then they would float away. And um, earlier that night, my boy Grady was there. He was nine years old. He always went to bed around 9.30, so I tucked him in a sleeping bag on his cot while, you know, we were awake doing our thing. And um, so I put him in a sleeping bag, zipped him up, started walking back over to the chairs, and all of a sudden I hear, Dad, Dad, there's something in my sleeping bag by my ankle. And so I'm like, oh, crap, you know, uh, a rodent or a snake. Yeah. So I run back I run back over to his sleeping bag, and I unzip his sleeping bag, and I'm going to throw the flap up, and then I'm going to reach and grab whatever it is, and I'm going to chuck it into the trees. Well, I open up his flap, and there's a bright orb the size of my fist down by his ankle. Oh. (laughs) And, And the orb goes up his leg, and then it shoots up about 20 feet into the air, it hovers there for about 30 seconds, and then it zips into the trees. Oh my and then I look, at, I look at my son, and I, I said, you're never going to forget this night for as long as you live, are you? And he said, no, Dad. I'm, no. <laughs> that, that's oh, pretty cool. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that is very cool. Oh, my. What a wonderful night that was. Well, yep. I have another question for you. It's because. Sure. Basically, when we hear about Bigfoot sightings, for the most part, we hear about them uh, on the West, you know, Pacific Northwest, like where you guys are. And the question came in: What about the Northeast? Do we have okay. a demographic of Bigfoot here, also? Okay. So, the morning after the Exodus was over. Um. Zorth, the leader of the Council of Twelve, and the Council of Twelve consists of two Janu from each habitable continent. Okay, there are seven continents on the planet, but only six are habitable. And remember, they use the trees, right? And there's no trees in Antarctica. Okay, mm-hmm. so right. um, the morning after, Zorth says, you know, actually, I was kind of in tears and crying. I felt a relief. I said, "Am I done now?" Am I done? Am I free? Can I let this go? Can I move on with my life? And he said, thank you. And yes, you're done. And we appreciate Mm -hmm. everything you did. And he said, however, the Council of Twelve want me to ask you if you would be willing to stay on as our chosen ambassador. We want you to be our 13. We want you to educate your species about who we are. Would you be willing to do that? Would you be willing to do that? And I said, yes, sure, thank you. And then he said, we're in the trees, and the trees are everywhere. If a kind person, if a kind person with a good heart and an open mind reaches out to us, 
we will reach back to them. So I'm thinking we're in the trees and the trees are everywhere. If a kind person, good heart, open mind reaches out. So that they don't have to go up to the mountains to find you. No, we're in the trees and the trees are everywhere. Case in point, uh, March of 2018, I took my son, Grady, on spring break vacation to visit Boston, Philadelphia, and New York City. And we were in the Sheraton Hotel, Times Square, you know, Manhattan, New York City. Right. And uh, we're, we're up on the 10th floor, and we're going to bed, and there are two Jean-Nu that appear in our room. Oh, wow. And I'm like, hi. What a surprise. Uh, where did you guys come from? And, you know, where did you guys come from? And he said, Central Park. Because there's trees there. We're in the trees, and the trees are everywhere. So you don't have to go up into the mountains to look for the Janu. You, If you have trees in your backyard, go out there, sit in the dark, no light, no candles, no flashlights, no campfires. Just sit out there in the dark, talk to them, play music to them. They love music with a, a beat, a drum, but they'll listen to anything and everything. They don't like angry, negative, mean, nasty music. They hate that kind of music. But anything else, they love music. I have them recorded singing, and when they sing, their songs are only a sentence long two sentences at the most, and they're done. But when they sing, they have angelic voices. It's amazing. Oh. So so to answer that Northeast USA question, they're in the trees, and the trees are everywhere. Do you have trees in the Northeast? Yes, we do. Oh, okay. Sure. Well, there's the answer to your question. We're in the yeah. trees, and the trees are everywhere. Everywhere. Oh, yep. God. So I asked him, I said, how many other are you on this planet? And he answered my question with a question. How many trees what are there? What was that? Oh. <laughs> oh. Wow. wow. That's right. a lot. Con- a lot. Consult the Google gods, and the Google gods say anywhere between four to seven trillion trees. Trillion. Oh, my, oh my goodness. goodness. We well, are vastly outnumbered. Yes. Yeah. Well, outnumbered by beings that have a higher consciousness and an open heart. So that's kind of comforting, isn't it? Yeah, who are, lo- who are loving, kind, caring, uh, God-following, believing beings. Yeah, that is that is beautiful. Now, Dr. J, I want to make sure we talk about your books because you have a couple of books about this. So tell people the name of the books and where they can get them. Okay, so the first book I wrote is Bigfoot, um, A 50-Year Journey Come Full Circle. The second book I wrote is The Janu, How to Be- the Bigfoot Forest People. Uh, they can get those books on Amazon.com, but to find the link, just go to my website, which is com. You spell Janu X-A-N-U-E. Again, X-A-N-U-E dot com. And click on store, and that'll take you to the Bigfoot books. Click on that. That'll take you to Amazon.com. 
you can order print on demand or Kindle for your uh, your Kindle. Uh, and then I also have a YouTube channel, which is under Team Squatchin USA. Squatchin does not have a G. It's Squatch with an I-N, no G. Team Squatchin USA. And I have almost uh, 500 videos there. So oh if you God. really want to learn everything, then you go back to my oldest, very first video, and you start there and you work your way forward all the way to the most recent video. And everything you want to know about the Bigfoot Forest people, about the Jean New, between those two books in the YouTube channel, you'll know everything. Gosh, it's like your own personal course. So, yes. Mm -hmm. Well, Dr. J, once again, thank you so much for coming on the show and and educating all of us about the Bigfoot and what they're really about, what they're doing here. It's Every time you're on the show, we learn something new, and I thought we had heard it all, and we've read your book, so we've certainly been aware for years about your magnificent work with Sanu. But this, again, we have more now. So much more. This has been a wonderful evening and a great discussion with you. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me. Oh, it's our delight. Yes, it's definitely our delight. And please keep us posted because we know you're unfolding the rest of this mystery and you'll have more to share with us. So we're going to have to have you back again. We'll have a part three. So keep us posted (laughs) on everything you're doing. Yeah, uh-huh. this is great. I mean, for me to stay up this so. late, <laughs> I, I never yes. stay up this late, but I stay up this late for you. So. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you, Patricia. Yeah. That, that's special. I appreciate that. It is. Oh, well, you're special. <laughs> you are very special. You're certainly much loved. So thanks again. Keep us posted on everything. And next week, everyone, will be back with another great show. And until then, we'll see you on the Blue Highway. Good night, everyone. Good night. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with Supernatural Girls.